Chapter 5, Anything Man Of course, we had to keep Susie, Bobby Jean told Sticks Malone. Once he laid eyes on our spoils, we had to explain everything. But we've got the fireworks still. And now we have to get rid of them before anyone finds out or Corey hunts us down, I added. Bobby Jean glanced over his shoulder like Corey had followed us. Sticks raised an eyebrow. The kid who wanted to snuggle your baby sister? That's who you're afraid of? Well, when you put it like that, sheesh, you don't understand, Bobby Jean said. Corey is not someone you want to mess with. Bobby Jean knew more about Corey than I did, since they were in the same grade. Bottom line, Corey was exactly the kind of boy you'd expect to be caught auctioning off a massive bag of probably stolen fireworks. He ruled the schoolyard like some kind of sixth grade mob boss. Listen, that was a shrewd deal, Sticks looked impressed. You gave up nothing and got something major in return. Hey, yeah, that was true. My chest and cheeks warmed beneath the glow of Sticks' favor. Gave up nothing except an hour a day of chores, Bobby Jean grumbled. I have to do chores around the house anyway, Sticks said, don't you? Well, yeah, Bobby Jean said, but not every day like this, and not with Corey Cormer. I tapped my wrist as if I was wearing a watch. Speaking of which, we have to get back. Bobby Jean and I both stared at the bag of fireworks. We were supposed to be hiding them from Corey. Instead, we'd wasted time explaining ourselves to Sticks Malone. I'll take them off your hands, Sticks said. Don't even worry about it. You'll never have to lay eyes on them again. He held out his hand. Bobby Jean and I glanced at each other. We give them to you in exchange for what? I tucked the bag back behind me. Sticks smiled. Good. I'm glad you didn't fall for that. There's hope for you yet. In exchange for what, Bobby Jean echoed. Actually, I'd like to make you a more attractive offer. Sticks reached into his pocket and extracted two small cards. He handed one to me and one to Bobby. The most surprising thing about it was that, that, that those ragged pants he was wearing had any pockets left that would hold anything. The cards read, Sticks Malone, Anything Man. Of course, Sticks had a business card. He was just that kind of cool. Bobby Jean looked downright impressed. I was too, but mostly I was noticing how the cards had no contact information on them. Let me work with you, Six said. Work with us how? Bobby Jean asked. Sounds to me like you need a mediator. A mediator, Bobby Jean echoed. How's that new age stuff going to help us? His tone sounded exactly like Dad's when the yoga class ads came on TV. I snickered. No, a me-de-a-tor, Sticks repeated, enunciating the syllables. Like a lawyer to help the Cormer kid see the error of his ways. I can do that. He said it with such intensity that I could almost see him pounding his fist on, into his palm. We don't want to hurt him, my protest sounded lame. Sticks shrugged. No need. I'll just help him see that the fireworks are rightfully yours. Bobby Jean and I exchanged a glance that fell somewhere between say what and heck yeah. You covered for him, Sticks went on. That counts for something. You just have to parlay it into something more. Parlay, Bobby Jean said. Negotiate. Make him see the value of what you've already given. Sure, sure, I said, although I wasn't sure at all what Sticks was talking about. Then when Cormer's out of the way, I'll show you how to get rid of that sack the right way. What's that mean, Bobby Jean asked. 
Styx tapped his chin. We'll sell the fireworks or trade them for something. Like what, I asked. Uh, you don't have time for me to explain now, do you? Styx said. He's probably already waiting. I lifted the fireworks bag again. Yeah, we have to go. What do we do with these? Bobby Jean looked worried. He lowered his voice to a stage whisper. We can't leave them with him. Bobby Jean was not known for his subtlety. Sticks, of course, heard everything. I don't expect you to trust me right off, he said. Tuck them in the woods closer to your house. I won't even watch. Is that going to work? Bobby Jean wondered aloud. Sticks' expression turned eloquent. We soon learned that meant... <clears throat> We soon learned that meant he was about to speechify us. Look, here's the deal. You stash the sack. In about an hour, I'll come mediate your dispute with Cormer. Consider it handled. Then you'll owe me, right? So we'll sell our trade off the fireworks and share the proceeds. The stuff we get in return. I smiled to myself. Six had finally realized that vocabulary was not among Bobby Jean's strengths. We got a deal? Six asked. I opened my mouth ready to agree. From minute one, I was all in on Sticks Malone. Wait, what's the split? Bobby Jean interjected, proving he wasn't born yesterday. Sticks's shoulder popped up. 50-50, I reckon. Nah, Bobby Jean answered. Two of us, one of you, that means two-thirds. Where he was go getting these sudden smarts, I hadn't the foggiest. But I'm bringing all the expertise, Sticks said. Would you rather have two-thirds of nothing and a big problem on your hands? Or would you rather have 50% of a whole lot problem-free? Uh, Bobby Jean said. Sticks offered a ninja-like smile. I jumped in. We could say the same to you, a third of the proceeds from our stash, or 50% of nothing. I was getting the hang of this now. Negotiating felt good. Sticks studied us hawk-like. Caleb and Bobby Jean Franklin, huh? He spoke our names slowly, then grinned. I like how you two operate. A beat of silence passed. Fair enough, Stick said. We go two-thirds. The deal was on the table. Bobby Jean still looked skeptical, but how could we pass it up? That's my offer, Stick said. Take it or leave it. We took it. Chapter 6. Chores with Corey Cormer. Corey wasn't in the backyard waiting for us like we expected. It was too good to be true that he hadn't showed. This was unlikely to be one of those times when our, the, our parents issued a punishment and then forgot to follow through on it. That was for minor transgressions. This was a doozy. Mom, we called, stomping in through the back door. If Corey doesn't show, does that mean... Hey, guys. File under sights I never expected to see. The big, bad Corey Cormer, standing in our living room, bouncing Susie on his hip, a wide grin on his face. Looks like she still likes me, he said. Susie gurgled. Uh, said Bobby Jean. That was Susie's spit-up face. Corey was about to get drenched. I leaped toward the high chair and whipped out a loose cloth diaper off the back of it. I slung it over Corey's chest and shoulder. Splat! Corey laughed. Whoa! Bobby Jean and I gave Corey a pretty wide berth of after that. Anyone so delighted by infant spit-up was clearly unbalanced. Okay, boys, hop to it, Mom deployed her drill sergeant voice, out into the yard. We trooped outside and stood awkwardly beneath the morning sun. Corey slid a pair of fierce-looking Harley-Davidson sunglasses on. I swallowed hard. Corey always swore he had an uncle in a motorcycle gang. 
That was where he learned all his best fight moves. Corey crossed his thick arms and sneered. Okay, losers, let's do this thing. Bobby Jean got smaller after that. It was like he breathed out all the air in his lungs and forgot to bring in any new. I narrowed my eyes, trying to make them look like, look like they were going to cut lasers. Corey had seemed cool and powerful last night with the fireworks in hand, but in the light of day, behind those stupid shades, he was just a great big bully. Okay, baby lover, I snapped. Corey's mouth thinned. He barely had lips to begin with. His mouth was like a seam in his face. You're dead, Franklin. He took two steps toward me. I stood my ground. It was our house. We were in charge. I pulled in air to fill out my chest and tried to remember the lesson Bobby Jean had given me about when and how to throw the first punch. Guys, Bobby Jean's voice was small. Let's just do the work, okay? Over here, I stomped past both of them. If Corey wanted to start things off with insults, someone had to show him we couldn't be pushed around. We led Corey toward the side of the house and dragged the cylinders of chicken wire toward the garden. Next, we headed for the tool shed. Bobby Jean levered the door open. Ew, Corey said. The musty earth's earthy smell in there was familiar to me, but Corey plugged his nose like one of us had just taken a dump in front of him. We pulled out all the gardening equipment that seemed useful for weeding and fence construction. Our blades, the big shovel, the hoe, and a crate to put the weeds in. Bobby Jean grabbed the hedge clippers, which he was allowed to use, but I wasn't. We didn't even really need them. He probably just grabbed them to make himself look, look tougher. We also dragged out Dad's C3PO stepladder, which we definitely didn't need, but it just looked cool. Even Corey thought so. I could tell because he didn't say something mean about it. We set it up along the edge of the garden plot and took turns climbing up it to supervise the weeding. We stuck out our fists. Bobby Jean counted it out. One, two, three, shoot. Paper beat rock. Be paper beat rock beat rock. So ba Bobby Jean got first watch. He climbed up the ladder which was taller than any of us, while Corey and I crawled all into the garden. Ooh, said Corey, you got a lot of clay. So what, I snapped. Corey shifted his eyes. I was just saying. Maybe you should stop just saying. We did have a lot of clay. Even every spring, Mom had us dumping layers of soil, of bagged soil and manure on top of the garden plot to help the seeds along. The things we grew best were pretty hardy. Tomatoes, squash, and carrots. Lots and lots of carrots. Luckily, the vegetables had all grown tall enough that we could easily tell what was weeds and what wasn't. Mom was growing three rows of tomatoes right in the center of the garden. She planted tomatoes called Big Boys for Bobby Jean, Morning Glory for me, and Early Girl for Susie. Who knew there were this many varieties of tomato? If it was up to me, there would only be two kinds, the normal size and the cherry size. Bobby Jean used my spy binoculars to study our progress from on high. You missed one over to the left, he instructed as I finished the first row. I pulled the offending weed, then brushed my hands off. Trade, I ordered. Bobby Jean climbed down and handed over the binocs. Yes, the magnification was pretty good. From up here, I could see detail down to the whirl of brown hair on top of Corey's head. His longish hair 
flopped into his eyes and he pushed it back from time to time. I couldn't quite imagine what that would feel like. Our hair only grew up and out. Mom always planted a row of corn, even though that was a bit of a fool's errand. Farmers had corn growing in fields and fields around here. But for some reason, trying to grow one small row of it never worked out. These are nowhere near knee high, Bobby Jean said, wading into the corn. I don't even know if weeding can save them. Agree, I said. But here we are. Cor corn is supposed to be knee high by the 4th of July, Corey said from somewhere within the tomatoes. They're totally not on pace. We just said that, I snapped. You don't have to rub it in. Corey was wider than me and even wider than Bobby Jean. He couldn't squeeze in between the vegetable rows so well. He was going to crush all mom's tomatoes. Trade, I said, and climbed down. I took Corey's place in the middle of things. These are quality, Corey said a moment later, looking through my binocs. If you zoom in close, you can't even tell how lame this garden is. That was it, the last straw. What's your problem? You want to throw down? I stood up to fight, but tripped on a tomato cage. My feet seemed to be everywhere but underneath me. I skittered and scrabbled, trying to stay upright. No such luck. I landed knee and elbow first in the pile of chicken wire. I couldn't find my balance. I tumbled trush tush over tailbone into the grass. Blinking into the cloudless sky, I recognized laughter, laughter echoing around me. Bobby, Jean, and Corey were busting a gut, but I wasn't done yet. Come at me! Come at me! I shouted, even though the main fight at the moment was between my shoelaces and the chicken wire. That! Corey gasped between laughs. That was the most awesomely messed up, almost throwdown I've ever seen. Bobby Jean was trying and failing to keep it together himself. Dude, he choked out. Epic! I brushed myself off and tried to shake some dignity back into my limbs. Let's go, I croaked. My voice cracked worse than Bobby Jean's ever had. They howled at me. It was actually funny how hard they were laughing. I found myself joining in. Sticks once told us that laughter was a magic all its own. I don't remember when or why he said it, but it was a Sticks truth if there ever was one. While we were laughing together by the other side of the garden, Corey Cromer reached down and freed my shoelace from the grip of the chicken wire. When he straightened up, he was smiling, and so was I. He slid his shades up on top of his head and looked me in the eye. Thanks, I said. Whatever. Then he added, you guys are okay, I guess. And that was how we accidentally got rid of Jerky Cory once and for all.